You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Pretty sure that mysterious loud bang was uh, the show sign falling off the door of the studio. As, as long as I didn't break anything. No. It's so The hot. look on your face was great. I'm, uh, I'm sliding the chair over. It bangs and it's like, don't be me. Uh, welcome, welcome to the 3DMs podcast. I'm Jake, joined as usual by Paul and Nadja on this oh, week's Jake, show. Jake, slide over Bye. a little bit so you're on camera. I'm about to. but will uh, see your pretty face. Well, they will see my pretty face in Again, a second. I'm back. Is my mic actually on here? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you. All right, that's fine. Uh, let's double check. What mic you on? Number five? five, I believe. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, there we go. Okay, there we go. Thanks, I'm actually yeah. on now. Wow, I talked for five minutes and uh, nobody heard me. Well, they kind of heard you. I'm so bit. proud. They, they <laughs> yeah, probably caught you out of this mic. Oh, uh, I'm so smart. Jumbling up on me. Oh, yeah, we're off to a winning start. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, no, They also the fans also got a... Uh, about two minutes of me adjusting the camera so we actually get all of us on frame. Okay, yeah, no, we're so, actually back. <laughs> hey, hey, that. no, now we actually fixed it. Okay, so on this week's show, guys, uh, we have an interview with Tim Gonzalez of Pirate Gonzalez Games. We're about to call him up in a moment. He's also known as the dude who made the Pokemon conversions for 5e, both. He's done uh, Kanto and Johto, which is all you really need because once wow. we get to third generation Pokemon, well, I well, turn into an old man. Wow. We're, we're gonna have C- some words was in the all right. Lot. Yeah, we can fight in the parking lot. That's C- fine. Sitter was all right. Unova, I'm not oi, oi, too oi. positive. We about. all know that the fifth generation is the only generation that matters. One and two are terrible. Five was the best. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! You just assaulted my childhood. <laughs> all right. So before gotcha. I before I take you out in the parking lot and beat the <laughs> shit out of you, let's get our guest on the air so I can think happy thoughts. All right, Skype. Fingers oh. crossed. Our wonderful comment moderator, Fado. We heard you in our hearts, Paul. You're so <laughs> smart. S M R T. Tim. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Oh Bob? my God. Skype did its good, job. Thank you. Yes. Uh, who am I going to have to fight about saying one and two generation doesn't matter? Oh, that's That'd Paul. Be me. <laughs> All right. See, now oh, I've got backup, Paul. Yeah. I'm gonna stomp you. I've spent a lot of time playing Pokemon in my time. Come at me! I've played every main series. Don't you mess with my childhood. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Tim, glad to have you on the show. Uh, So let's get into it. A few months back, uh, I remember seeing the first the first Pokedex, the Kanto Pokedex, and I was like, "Wow, somebody took the time to do this. Good for them." (laughs) And then I uh, went through, read everything, and I was like, "And it's actually really good." Then a few. A few months ago, about a month or two back, you put out the Johto Pokedex, mm-hmm. at which point I finally saw the name in the watermark, and I said, okay, we have to see if we can get this guy on the show. Yeah, we've been talking about this for at least four months now. Is getting And you spring too. it on me now that you hate first and second edition Pokemon, you bastard. I thought I told you guys this before. No, you never told <laughs> no. me. But, Tim, before we get started, so- I just want to know. Professor Oak spent his whole life studying Pokemon. How does it feel knowing that you are more of an expert than he is? <laughs> uh, I feel like he's just a slacker. I think that's yeah. the, what it really comes down to. I think he just outsources all I mean, his research <laughs> to, 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 to 11-year-old children. Yeah, not the most children. Yeah, he's, he's a professor info. the same way that I'm a doctor. I got to tell you that. <laughs> Especially because his Pokedex, which he's been studying Pokemon for his entire life, has no Pokemon in it to begin with. Has he ever seen a Pokemon in his life? 
I don't know. He didn't even know that they could they that 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 they could lay eggs. So I don't think he's doing too good. I think the entire world was surprised when they could lay eggs in the second game. It's just like, oh crap, this is happening. Wait. <laughs> so this is what these big round things we've been finding are. <laughs> I thought been, they were just particularly soft rocks. I've been eating Charmanders for years. <laughs> so much protein in one Charmander egg. Yeah. My real question is, where does where's all the food in the Pokemon world come from? Do they just like butcher them? Yeah. It's just mill tank farms. Fact. Well, listen, this is a D and D. This is a D and D podcast. Yeah, this is a D and D podcast, not a Pokemon podcast. <laughs> <laughs> while while we are getting into the great nitty gritty of uh, you know how the Pokemon world really works, man, uh, let's talk about. <laughs> A lot of the great content you've created. Uh, so after you know doing our initial research into you, uh, you have something called Pirate Gonzalez Games. We've stalked uh, you. We've stalked you very effectively. <laughs> and we found out that you launched and successfully funded a Kickstarter for a 5E equipment and magical item book, which snaps and claps because getting something done on Kickstarter is difficult. A feat. And yeah. uh, just... Yeah, I mean, let's start there. So how did the Kickstarter come together? Uh, what is Pirate Gonzalez Games? Is it just you or is it uh, a small team? Let's uh, let's hear the origin story of Pirate Gonzalez Games. Yeah, so Pirate Gonzalez Games is basically just me. Um, when I started Twitter, I had Pirate Gonzalez as my handle. So I just wanted something that would key into that without me having to make a separate uh, separate business account or anything. Um, but yeah, so I launched a Kickstarter for the book. It's called the Archive of Magic Items. Uh, it's, it's a big collection of a bunch of mundane and magical items for 5th edition. The big point of the Kickstarter was to get art for it because that's what makes the books look really awesome. And that's kind of what I wanted, something that looked really good. And magic items are just so cool and really iconic in games. Um, but it was it was... Interesting. It was my first Kickstarter, uh, but I was really happy to see that we we successfully funded. I'm happy for you. Yeah, we're really happy for you. We uh, so we got the sample, um, and we you know we've been reading it. We've been reading it. Uh, you, you guys are the only ones with that sample. Yes. Oh, oh god! Exclusive. Look at us. Huh. We're breaking ground and doing like real <laughs> journalist I, things, guys. To be honest, Three I thought exclusive. Oh, oh, yes. crap. Oh, I can't spoil anything now. Shit. No, we can spoil it. away. Well, we, uh, we won't put it on WikiLeaks. No, no <laughs> offense, but we were joking about the bear armor. The bear and the bird armor. <laughs> Sir, yeah. Sir Barrington will become a thing courtesy of your armor. Well, well my, my real question is, uh, when you're wearing the bear armor, can you talk to owl bears? You Do you need what? to wear both I, at the same time? I think that would be a fantastic thing to accidentally find out when you're getting attacked by an owlbear. <laughs> you find there's a, a supporter of supply side economics while you're fighting him for his intelligence six. The bird, no, the bird, uh, the person with the bird armor and the person with the bear armor have to talk at the same time in perfect unison to communicate with the owlbear. Yeah, and that's how you that's how you get your team mascot. Yeah, yeah. but um, actually though, talking about the book, like I'm really excited to buy a production copy once it comes out because a lot of the stuff in the book is really well thought out um it's some of it's easy you know just simple stuff but some of it's like more ridiculous fair one of my personal favorites was the power armor that has a you know <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge uh you know uh if your players ever want to do some master chief-esque exploits or you know combat heresy in the grim dark future of the 41st, 41st millennium yeah they uh you know, they have their option there, which gives you 26 strength, I believe it was. Uh, it operates for six hours, gives you a 26 strength, uh, gives you a beam attack to shoot out of your armor. It's It doesn't belong in fantasy, but it's fun, and I love it. <laughs> now, do you exactly. shoot that beam it's, out of your it's, chest it's a mix. <laughs> I don't know. I think, that's, I think that's up to the user. So let's talk about your history with D&D. Yes. Um, how long you been playing? Uh, are you DM? Are you a player? And uh, where can you really say the hobby started and the passion for doing the homebrewing began? I started playing. The first time I had played was uh, I was working at a summer camp. Someone had uh, 3.5. They started introducing us to that. I had seen the books in Barnes and Noble and stuff like that and was always interested in it. But no one I knew ever played. So as soon as someone offered to run it for me, I was like, great. I've always wanted to. And I found out that I really liked it. Uh, so I did that. I played 4th edition, Pathfinder. 5th edition is where um, I really started 
getting into the design elements and the homebrew, um, partially because it was an easier system for me to figure out how it worked. Um, and what really started it was magic items, because when they launched 5th edition, they didn't launch all three books at the same time. It was just, I think, player's handbook first, and D- I, the DM's uh, guide came out later, so there weren't really a lot of magic items in there. So right off the bat, I started creating my own magic items for the game I was running, and a lot of those made it in here, and that, I think, kind of kind of set it in motion, me starting to tinker and uh, homebrew stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's where people usually start. So. Typically. Um, do you have any particular favorites that you've snuck into the book? We, uh, you know, we were considering going through the preview step by like item by item and uh, 300 items. So no, thank you. Hitting Paul with the bell. Well, we'll do a full review episode when the, uh, the whole thing drops. But, um, do you have any particular favorites that you snuck into the book or any, uh, old callbacks to, uh, some ridiculous stuff that have maybe happened in your games? Yeah. So in general, you're going to find a few things in there that are, let's say, inspired by other forms of media or video games like power armor and uh, cer- certain weapons. Maybe you'll see something that uh, Kratos from God of War might wield. Stuff like that's in there. Um, Them chain know. sword axes things. Hmm. <laughs> yes, blades. different names. Chaos blades that are definitely not <laughs> chaos blades. Stay no. away! Stay away, Sony Law Team. <laughs> they, they, they are, yeah. They're chain blades, blades of the malcontent. <laughs> yeah, blades of the chiton is what I what they're named as. Uh, like the chain, chain devil, right? Or um, the one item that I put in there that it was one of the first ones I had introduced was it's just a mask of disguises, and all it is is it's just a blank mask. When you put it on your face, it removes the face that was put on it and stores it in the mask. And then if you take that mask with a stored face in it, put it on someone else, it replaces that face. I threw it in there just as it was almost like a reskinned disguise self spell. Yeah. But just the weird way that it's used, the ramifications of it, it just caused a lot of pleasant chaos in the game, which I really enjoyed uh, what my player is doing, so I decided to put that one in there to, you know, see if anyone else runs into those same sorts of situations. Yeah, again... First thing that popped into my mind with it is body snatchers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but one of the things, like, what I love about your uh, a lot of the items that you have in your book, too, is a lot of them are actually... They're not over the top in power. They're actually rather mundane and, you know, a little underpowered, but... I actually love that in a magical item because when you give your players just some random magical loot and they can find really unique like ways to mess up your day by using it in a very outside the box kind of way. Like as we were sitting in the truck on this sweltering sweltering day without air conditioning yeah, because I this, need to get that fixed. Yeah, you need to work on that nacho. Uh one of the first thing Paul says is, you know, because we're gonna keep referencing the bear armor. Bear armor. <laughs> What is the practical use of being able to speak to bears? And I said, Nacho, if Nacho got bear armor in my game, he would quit the main plot and he would literally just try to become the sovereign of the bears. I would. (laughs) And then I would make Sir Barrington a thing. I would be his humble assistant while guiding him to power. (laughs) That's not a man. That's a bear. That's not a man. It's a bear in armor. I'm just going to burn a wish spell to – Give Sir Barrington a level in Rogue so he can just sit there, use deception, performance, and all that good stuff, and he will become the Lord of the Realm. Naturally. Naturally. Um, It is nice that there's stuff with obvious uses and stuff with less obvious uses. And I actually kind of like the Justicar armor. Um, Mm -hmm. I should note that it's rather limited in – availability and use, but it is interesting to have a suit of always ready armor. And I think there's something that could be adapted into my setting there. Yeah. And I also like really liked the animated armor where even if you're dead, it'll still act and do actions for you. You still got to make your death saving throws, but just the idea of like the corpse just kind of like slopping around in the armor as it's still swinging an axe is just hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, it's a little messed up in it. 
Yeah, that that's one. So that animated armor that was I forgot about it. That's another one I actually had in in the game, and it was literally an animated suit of armor that someone wanted to wear afterwards. So I thought, okay, let's figure out an effect that goes along with it. And as the game progressed, it ended up almost becoming uh, sort of like Ultron, like it started imprinting on his own mind and it started becoming its own sentient self i don't have those mechanics in there but i really like when you have items like that being able to here's the basic thing it does here's flavor and the hooks for you to use and then just go crazy with it just modify it and take it whatever direction you want yeah no they don't uh, have to be the same you could also have weekend at bernie's (laughs) (laughs) yeah pose it yeah no we uh, my my rogue won't leave me he may be dead but no he's still gonna come out and party (laughs) as the the armor just slops him around and stuff and his neck is like broken his head's just flailing everywhere no he's just tired that's a mental image i don't want to think about (laughs) oh no it's it's gonna happen in the campaign now um so Tim, at one point, you sat down, you looked at the first 300 Pokemon, the best Pokemon, Paul. Do you mean the 297? I'm going to fight you. Um, And you said, I'm going to convert this all to 5e. Talk about, A, taking on that project, and then just how you made it. Because it's phenomenal for everybody. We're going to link it here at some point. But if you haven't seen the 5th edition Pokemon conversions, they're really well made. They're all over the internet, so I'm surprised if you haven't. But yeah. if you haven't, we'll link them. But uh, just walk us through that process really quick, Tim, of just sitting down and going, we're making the Pokemon. <laughs> it, it started off uh, quite a while at this point that I started that process. Um, but I wanted to when, – when the DM's guide came out and they had the rules for how to create and stat your own monsters, that – I had been waiting on doing in the games, so I started tinkering around with things, and I wanted to try something, uh, try conversion just as a test and practice to get used to how constructing monsters worked. So I wanted something I was very familiar with, and I wasted a lot of time in my youth playing the first Pokemon game. So it seemed like a good, it seemed like a good place to start. Uh, so I started doing that. And I forget where, but at a certain point, I looked back and thought, you know, I've kind of gone this far at this point. I might as well just go all the way through and just finish it up. Um, I found some cool resources online for um, for how to create pages that look like the Monster Manual to make them look professional on the stat blocks and everything. Yeah. So one thing led to another, and I ended up with an entire book, the entire uh, first roster, the Kanto Pokedex, all done. And then you took that, you took the love and acclaim that you got from the internet, and then you looked at Johto and said, one more time. <laughs> yeah, so people liked it. People were happy about it. Uh, and I learned a lot doing it. Uh, there's, I, I like what I did in the Johto Pokedex better than the Kanto, just because there was more practice. I think I did things better. I got a better idea of how... The difference between just when you stat a monster, how it just looks on paper and how they actually might work at the table. Uh, Started to get a better idea of that and thought, all right, let's do it again. People really liked Kanto. Places, Uh, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, Johto was the last one I put a lot of time into. So it was the last one I was very familiar with. So I went ahead and knocked that one out as well. And I, I actually had a process for doing it so that all the mistakes I would make, <laughs> I could actually go back and edit them easier, which I did not have the first time I went through. Yeah, that uh, that process definitely helps. We've learned that on this show a little bit, haven't we, fellas? A lot. Somehow, kind of. So um, if you don't mind me asking a few questions here, how, what was the trickiest part of converting them, and how did you convert the abilities, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. Like, so, not the moves, the abilities, I'm talking like thick fat and so on and so forth. Yeah, the... I had to make a decision and I didn't do it uniformly. So you have, do you want to, how accurately do you want to try to replicate uh, this, this Pokemon in D and D? So some of them I tried to take based on uh, what they were like in the game, what they might've been like in the cartoon or what I think they might be like 
in the real world. The big thing is figuring out what challenge rating they would be. And there's no thing for that. I didn't want them all to be high. CR I wasn't trying monsters. to make, yeah, I didn't, wasn't trying to make a game out of it. I wasn't trying to balance them. So like, okay, all the starters are going to be exactly the same in all their evolutions. Um, so I just went, what do I think this Pokemon might be challenge rating wise, or I haven't seen this one in a while, this challenge rating in a while, let's use this one or, I really like this Pokemon, so I'm just going to make them one of the strongest ones out there. Because I can. <laughs> Who's stopping you? So how terrifying did you make Typhlosion? Because I haven't looked at that one yet, and it's a fire bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ty- Typhlosion, um, I did try to keep all the starters at a a similar level to each other. But uh, Typhlosion, I can't remember. Uh, challenge rating six. Hmm. That's a bit low to me. Actually, no. No, it doesn't because things above challenge rating six are often ridiculous. So. Yeah. No, um, like I do love – I mean just to jump into a few stat blocks because um, once upon a time in the show, we covered the rules of how to steal things and make them your own, uh, which let's just re-hit those again really quick, folks. Uh, rule number one, give all the credit when you get caught. Yeah. Um, when the players find out and they go, is that this? You go, yes. Up. You got it. Take none of the credit. Give all the credit to the people who created Second of all, make sure you change it in three degrees. Uh, you know, color, size, name, uh, a couple of other little elements. Make sure it's, you know, very different from what you took and don't just blatantly rip stuff off unless it's really, really, really good, really, really obscure stuff. And uh, rule number three, you're only as good as the stuff you seal. That being said, the Gyarados stat block for one, like now that, you know, because we're all we're all seasoned Pokemon people in here. We all know that. Oh, look a Gyarados! It's scary, but it's flying and it's water. So Lightning Bolt shoves it straight up its ass. It just goes right to hell as soon as you hit it with one of them Lightning Bolts. Them four X weaknesses, but not in D and D. Um, oh, is there any uh, Pokemon that you've made and then you've like you know if I if I just mess with this a little bit and just put it into my normal game, uh? you know, it can become a thing. Is Have you done any of that with any of that stuff? Because I know I mess with Tyranitar a little bit for a one-shot. So I haven't used any of these in one of the games I've run yet. Uh, the uh, My friend who is currently running a, a D&D game right now, he did. It was, it was when Storm King's Thunder came out. I believe we did a one-shot in the... Uh, Nightstone, uh, Nightstone Keep, or whatever the first introductory level was, and yeah. he switched all of the monsters that were there with different Pokemon. So there was a Charmander in the windmill. We were getting attacked by Rattatas and Squirtles, stuff like that. Uh, so that was, and he didn't say it, didn't say like, oh, there's a Charmander there. He just he would describe described, it, yeah. yeah, this lizard with a flame on its tail that shoots fire at you, and we slowly put together what we were fighting. Oh, we're playing Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Okay. Um, so we got to wrap up this interview here really quick. Uh, but just a couple of final uh, questions. Paul, you got, any, you got any other questions sticking around in the noggin? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, so one thing I noticed, and we touched briefly on this when it came to the uh, magical item compendium is how do you balance these things? Are you worried too much about that? Or are you sort of leaving it in the hands of the game master? Because I noticed you had sort of how to modify the power level of this item thing, but it only ever went up. I didn't see many things on how to decrease the power level. Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. So it is hard to balance magic items because they're not they're not a standard part of the game. They're not a natural assumption that you're going to have this type of bonus to your attack or damage. And rolls. Thank God, that's one of the big problems with Pathfinder. But <laughs> yeah, so. And because of that, one of the problems I've always had with magic items is you get a really cool item at the beginning of your adventure that you really like, and then it gets out-leveled. You find another one that's just mechanically better, but you don't you don't like it. it this, this has been with you forever. So I did include simple rules just for the GM. They're just guidelines for, hey, if you want to modify this item, here's the knobs that you can you can change. So, like... The simple thing, does it have a plus one bonus to AC on it? Give it a plus two or a plus three or go the opposite way. Um, I 
I did based on rarity. So each item has a rarity and I try to keep them generally in line the best I could with what items in the DMG might have, but they're very big bands. So a rare item or a very rare item, if, especially if you're not doing just pure mechanical bonuses on an item, they are hard to, hard to judge, but the way they're presented in fifth edition, which I do like, which is they're up to your GM. You're you're not guaranteed to get them. Each GM, each uh, dungeon master can decide what items they want to put in there, and if they want to tweak it at all, just how they want to tweak it to fit in their game. Maybe their characters are more powerful than they feel they should be, so just make this item not as strong. Just up to them. I. I I like the flexibility that DMs have to change whatever they want in a game, and I want to be upfront about that part. It's yeah. a great aspect. Yes. So one more question before Jake cuts me off. Um, I noticed that you did a sort of an armor set for every class. You had the cleric set, the rogue set, the barbarian set, so on and so forth. Um, I noticed that the power level of these was pretty variable. Like the mm-hmm. cleric one was honestly absolutely terrible. Um <laughs> Wow. No offense, but a one extra use of channel divinity is not exciting in any way. And some of them are much more exciting, like the uh, the barbarian and the rogue ones dramatically increased a major class mechanic, sneak attack mm-hmm. and reckless attack. So how did you – did you sort of sit down thinking, I'm going to make a set of these, one for every class or – Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And those have undergone the most – tweaks i'd say they've changed in rarity i've changed what they provide a lot the the intent of them is just to get it's a very basic simple item that just increases uh or improves upon one of the core class mechanics that other classes don't have so the rogue's the only one with sneak attack for example so all right let's uh tweak that one Warlocks get invocations. No one else does. Let's tweak that. It's hard to... Those ones are hard. I've been changing them constantly because they do vary in in power depending on what class feature I'm deciding to uh, amplify. So you're you're correct. Those ones have undergone a lot. But the, the intent was to have just one suit of armor for every class that starts off at a low level. Yeah. So... Again, uh, how many total items are going to be in this book when it actually is released? And what's the release date? The release date is I have uh, the end of the year, so around December. Right now, I'm just in playtesting and editing, uh, and I'm waiting for – I've reached out to the artist, so I'm just getting art in. The, the bulk of everything's done, so it's just those minor tweaks. So I, I have December – Hopefully I'll get done before then, but that I think is my conservative estimate for getting it out. The total items in here, if I count just magical items, the lowest estimate I had was 350. I keep adding stuff every now and then, so I'm probably going to saying, – saying 400 probably isn't going to be that much of a stretch by by the time it's finished. Yeah, okay. That's fair. All right. And where are people going to be able to get this? Are they going to be able to get it in hardcover? Yes. So once it's done, it'll be available on DriveThruRPG. Uh, you'll be able to get either a soft cover, a PDF, or a hardcover version of it. Uh, the way I did the Kickstarter, I it's my first Kickstarter. I didn't want to deal with shipping and handling myself because I've read enough to know that's what really messes people up. So everything is just going to be through drive through, drive through RPG. So you'll you know if you if you want a hardcover copy of it, you can get it. It's just going to be more expensive than the PDF cover. Naturally. Um, and so you've done, you've got this great book, which again, from the preview that we got, like, I'm really excited to have this thing just to, you know, there, you never know. You always can look at an item, a random item, and you can just go, that can cause a lot of shenanigans in my game. Let's throw it in. Um, (laughs) so you've got a great book coming out. Uh, you've done the Pokemon conversions, which are beloved by the internet D&D community. I've never seen anybody go Pokemon in D&D. Aren't we adults, guys? Uh, <laughs> so what's next for Pirate Gonzalez Games? Because so far, you're batting a 1,000, homie. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, the 
the Kickstarter book, The Archive of Magic Items, is the big one. It's taken up most of the time. I'm still doing little homebrew stuff on the side that I'll post on uh, on my blog, just individual monster stat blocks and where or can stuff we find like your that. Blog? The, uh, the big thing I'm working on next, I did on the DMs Guild, I put out a book of as many undead monsters as I could find from previous versions, just updating them to 5th edition, and the one I'm working on next is a big book of fey monsters. Ah, as many yeah. as many of them as I could find from uh, 3.5 and Pathfinder, getting them updated to 5th edition. So that, that I'm working on. I'm getting close to being done with that, so that should be available shortly. Yeah. Uh, tell me, do you have the Verminous Swarm available? Which one? The Swarm of Ghost Rats that attacks you. <laughs> yes, that is in there. Excellent. Good. <laughs> this there was actually art for it as well, so there's art for that. Oh, one. Sweet. Yeah. All right, Tim. It's been a delight having you on the show. Uh, please plug all your stuff. Tell everybody where they can go find your stuff really quick. All right. The best place to find me is at my Twitter, which is at Pirate Gonzalez. Uh, you can follow my blog, which is PirateGonzalezGames.com. Those are going to be the main things, so just check out the Twitter, and anytime I do anything else, I'll be linking to the main source. So that's your one-stop shop for everything that I do. All Excellent. Right. And we are about to uh, pin everything where you can find everything here in the comment section so uh check that out on the video feed if you're gonna if you're listening to this uh after it's been recorded but tim thanks for being on the show man it's been a pleasure thank you so much this was great thank you everyone i really appreciate it all right have a good one enjoy your father's day bye-bye that was delightful that was nice and now Let's talk about other nice things, like debt consolidation. Ooh, what? tell me more. Uh, everybody, it, let's take a pause for the cause. we got to pay some bills here really quick. So, if you don't mind, if you can't seem to stay ahead of your bills, then this message is for you. How would you like to have a large portion of your credit card debt, medical bills, department store debt forgiven? National Credit Card Relief would like to give you free information on a proven debt forgiveness program that has been used by thousands to legally forgive millions in unsecured debt. It's not bankruptcy. It's not consolidation. This special program actually wipes clean a portion of your debt that is forgiven from what you owe your creditors. Call for free information and get all your answers, (laughs) questions answered in the first call. Porky pigging so hard through this ad read. Damn. You got We've this. all been there. Yes. <laughs> Trying to ride the wave, homies. But where can I find this? The more you owe, the more you can save. If you have at least $10,000 or more in credit card bills, this debt forgiveness program can be very effective. Call for, uh, call for free information and find out more now. 1-800-218-7170. There is no cost or obligation for the information. Don't wait. Call 1-800-218-7170. That's right. 1-800-218-7170. Get your debt problem solved. Call 1-800-218-7170. Today. Today. I'm going to be hearing that number in my sleep. I got to tell you. I already do. Um, You should have seen the first run when uh, we didn't have audio. That that was the most painful run through, and then nobody heard it. Thankfully. Catch your small blessings, right? Oh, yeah. Let's see. I'm just – I'm I'm posting uh, all of Tim's stuff really quick in the comment section. Take your time. We're getting paid by the air. Actually, we're not getting paid at all. We we pay by the air. Ah, then don't take your time. Hurry it up then, slacker. Let's go. Chop, chop. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm chop, chopping. I am chopping as fast as a man can chop. Triple oh. chop. Nacho. Why are we like this? Uh, because Why do we do this to each other? Because we think we're professionals, but we're lowly, fe- lowly peasants. Almost, but, almost said pheasants, but, but we're not birds. We don't have that on Have we missed anything to pitch? Maybe podcast Detroit? Or? Birds. Oh, no, no. We're about to lump all that in right now while we're in ad time. Uh, so we record out of the podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak. There are two other studios, one in Corktown, one that's about to open up very soon next to a bar. Exciting stuff. If you're in the southeastern Michigan area and you'd like to start your own podcast, please check out Podcast Detroit. Rates are reasonable. There be drinks here. A lot of good people. A lot of fun. A lot of fun doing a show show a lot of fun um if you enjoy our content and our uh what we like to call roguishly awful podcasting uh you can find our podcast on itunes 
SoundCloud, and most places that you can find a podcast under the Podcast Detroit banner. Look look up 3DMs. You can find us there. Go there. Give us some likes. Give us high reviews. If you enjoy our content, please check out our Facebook page, facebook.com, 3DMs podcast. Leave a like. Leave a share. Yeah, give us a like. Give us a share. Give us a hug. I could really use a hug right yeah. now. Give us we, whatever we, we you hugs. think is fair. Uh, so, yeah, one more time, just uh, check out the Facebook. That's where we do most of our business. We also have a Twitter, 3DMs Podcast at Twitter, uh, and uh, 3DMs we, Podcast on Facebook. Yeah, we have a Twitter. I just – we barely use it. Oh, we, we also <laughs> I have use the uh, Discord that we have the info somewhere on Yes, Facebook, um, we? we're going to – well, no, we post a new link after every show. If okay. you'd like to be part of our community, which I have now effectively called all of our fans rollers – if you objectively hate that name, let me know. I'll come up with a better one. <laughs> but for now, you're rollers. Deal with it. Uh, if you want to come hang out with us, uh, we usually kick it in our Discord, uh, which after the show, we will post a fresh new link for people to join. Or if you want to dig through our Facebook, you can probably find one of our older links. And then our comment moderator, Prince Fado, gave me their blessing to post whatever filthy food I decide to cook after work at 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. Yeah. It's going to be a weekly or bi-weekly depending on if I make something that's truly horrendous but tastes great. Fado, we have to have words about this. I'm sorry. No, no. No, we have to to have words about your – yeah, don't talk to – We love Fado. (laughs) Fado is an angel and is made of sunshine. Okay, we're not going to talk too much about – Somebody who's not physical on the show to defend themselves. So how how is being an angel and made of sunshine a bad thing that needs to be defended? It doesn't matter. But I'm sure he would object to you know what? such un you know you know what we're words. just gonna segue. This week we had an unearthed arcana come out. The giant soul sorcerer. This is probably gonna be your last topic for the day, gentlemen. Uh, let's hop. You know, they've in. been really been pitching giants recently, haven't they? They're in Xanathar's. There's a big – Xanthos was Volos that are the big guy to giants. There's big guy to giants and Volos. There was a – you know, there was Storm King's Thunder. They're uh, they're giving a lot of love to the giant. Well, it's um, on the player's handbook because they're fighting a fire giant. So. Yeah. Really neat Maybe looking. they're trying fire. to tell us something. <laughs> giant's not the only enemy in Dungeons & Dragons. All right, guys. Let's break this down really quick. So um, – It's a sorcerer bloodline. Yeah, it's a sorcerer bloodline. You get to be a giant. You get to be big. Big. You get to be big old muscly boy. Um, let's see if Jake so, can get this bad boy pulled yeah, up Yeah, let's see us. if I can get this pulled up in time actually on my phone. I did read a decent amount of it. I'm, I mean, I read all of it, which is a pretty decent amount of it. But So one thing that's interesting to me about this, or on our is that it's based on constitution rather than any other stat, which is sort of um, why? Because <laughs> you're a giant? Yes, but on the other hand, Again, as I said while we were on the way here, being rewarded for having high constitution is like getting more money for having money. You're not going to not take good constitution in a character unless you're intentionally trying to create a sickly and weak character. Yeah, but you could become the punch wizard sorcerer. Yeah, as- but again, it's it's like, oh, now you only need two stats. Why? Two stats? Two. It, constitution is going to be the stat you max after charisma almost every time. And it just seems odd to me they choose like strength or something to make you actually branch out. Well, you get strength bonuses with it. I mean, yeah, but you don't – none of your abilities are based on strength. If you're a uh, – I believe it was Hill Giant where you get free shillelagh. One free cantrip. Ooh. Don't worry. My phone's just fighting me as per usual. <laughs> so I think there's six different types of giants you could choose your giant heritage to be from. I think you had to choose that at was it first level or – Yes. Yeah. Hang on, we're just much like the dragons getting there. I love how I love how it just like last night everything when I had everything preloaded it was all effortless and now it's just like now that we're on the show we got to fight. I got to yeah, well, fight with my technology. Okay, here we are. I got it. I did. It. I, I figured out the Sky phone. That's rebelling. Um, so uh, your first ability that you get is with this new sorcerer unearthed arcana is the mark of the ordning, which you have to pick your giant heritage from one of six, which is the gamut of standard giants that are in the monster manual. Uh, you got your hills, you got your hill giants, your stone giants, your cloud giants, your fire giants, your frost giants, your storm giants. I don't know why they're all from Brooklyn. How because you doing? That's all, where they come from. All giants are Brooklyn accents. I guess. Um, and each choice gives you a different 
spell. And that's kind of like, that's the main theme here. This is actually one of the more versatile bloodlines that you can get as a sorcerer because with most. Wild of, magic is wacky. Ooh. Wild magic, yeah. Wild it, magic it, is it, wacky. It's versatile, just not in the way you want it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> exactly. Oops, I fireballed myself at first level to under roll. Turned myself into a sheep. Whoops. Um, there's that. I mean, then you have your draconic bloodline stuff, and that gives you a little bit of choice. But this actually really, you know, like your choice at level one is going to affect the way the sorcerer plays drastically, which is actually really freaking cool. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like going in, I was like, oh, giant heritage. That's Hag- interesting. That's Hagrid shit from, you know, <laughs> Harry Potter. But then after I read it, I was like, that's awesome. Now my Goliath can actually be part giant. Yeah. So, um, you know, just going down the list, what the spells they get. So with uh, Hill Giant, they get Heroism and Shillelagh. Um, at third level, they get Enlarge Reduce. Frost Giants get Armor of Agathis, Ray of Frost, and Hold Person at third level. Powerful ooh. spell list right there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Fire Giants get Burning Hands, Fire Bolt at first level, and Flaming Sphere at third level. It's a damage spell list. I mean, burn and ate the countryside. Yeah, burn <laughs> spells you'd probably take anyway. But yeah, Trogdor out the countryside. Uh. Cloud Giants, you got Fog Cloud, Minor Illusion, and starting at third level, you get Invisibility. That's the powerful one. Mm-hmm. I'm an Invisible Giant. I'm an Invisible Giant boy. Uh, Stone Giant, you get Entangle, Resistance, and Spike Growth. Meh. I Super mm, Tank. Meh. I, um, mm, tank and Crow. And Storm Giant, you get Shocking Grasp, Thunder Wave, and Gust of Wind. Gust of Wind, I'm less impressed by. Those other two are pretty good. Yeah. Um... Let's move on to the sixth level ability. Um, but right away, though, still just like off the top, like the cloud giant, the frost giant, and the hill giant are the three ones that really stick out because those are, A, just spectacular spell choices. Um, cloud giant for obviously, you know, battlefield control and, uh, with you know, just having a free invisibility and not having to waste one of your sorcerer spell slots, which are more precious than all of King Midas's silver. That is a joke. That is a joke. I know it's cold. Um didn't on King Midas mostly work with yeah, gold. No, I, I think Paul almost had an aneurysm. It's, when a, it's a joke from Dodgeball. Is it? Mm. Watch it. I haven't seen it. Just keep up with your references. That's why it was. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on to the sixth level abilities. Yeah, no. Uh, well, they get invisibility. Great spell. Um, Frost Giant with Freehold Person. Again, great, great spell. spell. And you will find a use for it. Hill Giant, we're going to talk about because Hill Giant is just the most exciting prospect out of all this. Not because it's the best. The best, but, but because it's shenanigans i have the biggest smile on my face right now just thinking about pure shenanigans but on to the next step soul of lost historia um this is your sixth level ability starting at sixth level you gain a benefit whenever you cast one of the spells granted by your mark of the ordning feature so the spells you just picked up from or the spells you picked up from your level one ability yeah again this rewards the ones that have spells that you use all the time like invisibility or hold person yes um so with the cloud giant which is the one who gets invisibility um immediately after you cast any of your Mark of the Ordning spells, you can magically teleport as a bonus action. Yeah. You can teleport to an unoccupied space that you can uh, that you can see that is no farther away than a number of feet equal to 10 plus your constitution modifier. Okay, I have some questions about this one. Okay. Go on. Why 10 plus your constitution modifier? That's almost always going to be 10 unless you're con 20. Because you got to round down. No, number of feet equal to 10 plus your constitution modifier. Yeah, not, not, not you track things in five feet Not, not everything's run in a five-foot grid. I mean, yeah. Theater but of mind. Not, ooh, this gap is eight feet away from you. Off. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't change the thing, though. That's still an incredibly It's incredibly useful. I'm just wondering why the weird me- measurement, honestly. Yeah, could probably use some work, but it's unearthed arcana. That's why we got to, you know, play testing. Lock them relentlessly. Um, play test, sorry. <laughs> You're an ornery bastard today. <laughs> he's got all them, them teeth, teeth and, and no, no gnomes to eat with them. <laughs> no toothbrush. Uh, no, Colonel Sanders. Y'all wrong. Paul's right. <laughs> <laughs> Move it on. Um, yeah, no, but uh, Cloud Giant, awesome. Fire Giant, you gain a bonus to the damage of your rolls of your Mark of the Ordning spells. The bonus equals your Constitution modifier. That's all right. That's solid. 
free, you know, three to four damage. Uh, if you're getting a hint here, it's this is a very constitution heavy. This is this is what dwarves were waiting for. This is what people who like to play dwarves but wanted to be a dwarf sorcerer were waiting for. Yeah, all one of them. That one dude is doing cartwheels right now. Yeah. Beautiful cartwheels. People do not play dwarves to play spellcasters. At least not back in my day when they couldn't spellcast. Yeah, but now they can. Now they can. Equal opportunity. It's 2018, Paul. Jeez. Get with the times. <laughs> Frost Giant. Immediately after you cast any of your marketing ordering spells, you gain temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. Minimal one. But if the spell is Armor of Agathis, you instead increase its temporary hit points by amount equal to your constitution modifier. Minimum one. Um, so this is kind of probably worded, but I think the uh, the intention is that you get temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier, and then you get double it if it's armor Agathis. Yes, yeah, that's so what I just really leaned. strange wording. Because again, I'm being pessimistic today. This is a fantastic bonus at first level, which you don't have it, and at sixth level, it's completely worthless because you're getting one percent of your hit points and bonus hit points. Well, no, at sixth level, I mean for a sorcerer, you're gonna. You know, assuming we're doing the average here. And we're Remember, you're leveling up your constitution. So unless you're constitution plus one, you're going to have at least 40 hit you points. Got that, well, you got that D8 hit dice, you know. So, yeah, you're going to have D6, about. D6, I believe. Uh, it's either D8 or D6. I'm double checking now. One or the other. Yeah, we remember the player's it, handbook. It, it's, a, it's a number before 10. <laughs> uh, D6. Yeah. So on, you know, if we're hitting that average, you're going to get four. So you're going to have about seven HP. So at sixth level, you're just going to be. Just a you know, just a little over forty HP. If we're doing taking the averages, and keep in mind it doesn't increase your level. It's just always your Constitution modifier. Yeah, so which means it's going to get worse as you level up. I don't know. I still think it's a pretty solid ability. I think it's a solid ability. I just think that past level ten or so, you're going to be wishing you'd picked Cloud Giant instead. But who knows? Maybe you need that one extra hit point so you don't just die. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's. That's I mean, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Doesn't mean we have to bet on the bad options. Hey, you're just re- hey, listen. so down in the dumps today. You really are. Who hurt you, Paul? Who hurt you? Hey, uh, you guys bring me here to be the one who actually criticizes these things. So I don't know what you're expecting. Okay. I, th- I think Paul needs some ice cream. <laughs> we're going to go get ice cream after this, Paul. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Right, Tell us your on. feelings. Hill Giant. Hill Giant. This is the exciting one. Uh, immediately after you cast any of your Mark of the Ordering spells, you can target up to two creatures within five feet of you that you can see. Each target must succeed on a strength saving throw against your spell save DC or be pushed a number of feet away away from you equal to five plus your constitution modifier minimum of plus one. Oh boy, I pushed them six feet away. A target can choose to fail this save. Again, why the odd number of feet is my question, but I like the ability. It's interesting because it can keep people away from to you. To give you the opportunity to get 10 feet. That cliffside is 7 feet away. Exactly. Stone Giant. Immediately after you cast any of your Mark of the Ordning spells, you gain a bonus AC equal to your constitution modifier plus one, minimum plus one, until the next turn. That's actually pretty That's an incredibly good. strong yeah. ability, honestly. I, I'm... I don't even want to say about it. It's oh, very good. Yeah. So you're not going to complain about this one? Why would I complain about this? This is one of the <laughs> best ones. Storm Giant, immediately after you cast any of your Mark of the Ordning spells, up to three creatures of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you take lightning damage <laughs> equal to your constitution modifier. Minimum plus one. That's fun. Yeah. It's it's solid. Again, it's going to get worse as you level up, but it hits a crowd. So. Yeah. Local taser ability. You know, it's just, you know, it's that, it's that chip shot it, damage. It's, it's less even than a taser. It's more like static shocking them particularly hard. Yeah. Just going through all of those really quick though. Um, oh, did miss a thing. Ooh. We'll jump back to that really quick. Um, but I still just want to hit all these. Uh, Go on. We're listening. All these souls of lost Astoria. Um, Cloud Giant. Again. Damn. That is a. Good ability. Teleporting is much better than you think it is, and you probably think it's pretty good. Free, yeah, just free Wolf. movement for every time you use. It takes a bonus action. But what else are you doing with your bonus action? Yeah, fog cloud, minor illusion, and invisibility. Oh yeah, these are all spells that are usually you should dumped. be taking anyway. Yeah, these are all spells that are also dumped when you're in an oh shit moment. Sweet, I'm invisible, and now I'm over mm-hmm. here. Now I'm over here. Pudding pop. I'm over here. Oh, where's the party? Anyway, anyways, fire giant. Me. It's all right. I Solid. mean, it's it's a little bit of extra damage. I could see it in a draconic bloodline easily. I think it's completely fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not as 
negative on the frost giant ability as Paul is, I still think at the levels you're like the level you're getting at at level six, assuming you know doing this build, you're probably going to go for a plus three constitution thing. Um, I think armor of Agathis and ray of frost and hold person all spells that are going to get cast at least once. Armor of Agathis isn't really that good. Honestly, yeah, but you get a free armor. The problem is that I it's free, though. Unless I'm wrong, let me check because I'm pretty sure Armor of Agathis also gives temporary hit points, and temporary hit points don't stack. True. So yeah, you Which can cast Armor of Agathis and you get no hit point bonus. Well, no, that's why it said with this it stacks. Temporary hit points don't stack. Well, no, all. it's saying you add to it. Oh, does it say you add to it yeah, specifically? Add. Okay, it's five temporary hit points. Yep. Yeah, so I, I'd need to see a ruling on that one. I'm sure it was intended to stack, but rules has written. I'm pretty sure it doesn't at the moment. I'd still let it stack personally in my table because it seems that whole juncture as as we get more into the stuff, the whole juncture of frost giant is kind of like I hold you in place, and then I get tougher as the fight goes incrementally. <laughs> oh boy, ten whole temporary hit points. Actually, the you can't get ten; you can only get odd numbers. Which is weird, but you know what? Um, let's see. We got the hill giant ability, which is interesting. Again, it's good crowd control. Yeah, yeah. I, for a sorcerer, which I push. There are interesting things you can do that you can push people out of your melee range, then yeah. scamper away. So yeah, just push. Stone giant. Do they provoke attacks of opportunity when they're getting pushed? Uh, they do not. Dang. Stone giant. That's immediately. a strong ability. <laughs> yeah, stone giant is really strong, but it they have kind of a shit spell list like or free spells compared to everybody else. I, mean, like, I guess it's making up for the fact that you get bonus AC when you cast spells. Yeah. Yeah. No, it kind of kind of buffs out. Uh-huh, you can't hit me. And Storm Giants is just tick damage. It's nice. Uh jumping back really quick cuz we missed one. Um that is the Oh, where to go? I had it and I lost it. Oh, press F to pair respects. I know. Jotun Resilience. At level one, the Resilience of Giants flow through your body. At first level, your hit point maximum increases by one and increases by one again whenever you gain a level in this class. So solid. Free so, H. Yeah, one free HP at every level. Play Dwarf, Neat. get two. Yeah. Again, it's solid. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. 14th level ability. The Rage of Fallen Astoria. Starting at 14th level, you gain the ability to channel the souls of your ancestors into your physical form when you start casting a sorcerer spell on your turn and expend a spellless uh, spell slot. Bleh. You can increase your size by one category from medium to large, for example. This increase lasts one minute. It ends early if you die or incapacitated. Until it ends, you enjoy the following benef- benefits. Your current hit points in- and your hit point maximum both increase by one per sorcerer level. Free HP is free HP. Free HP. Your reach increases by five feet. Neat. Your walking speed increases by five feet. Neat. Neat. You have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. You Too bad gain, you're a sorcerer. That'd be really useful. You yeah. gain a bonus to the damage rolls of your melee weapon attacks. Shillelagh. The bonus equals your constitution modifier. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again uh, until you finish a short or long rest. And this is why Hill Giant makes me happy. It takes until 14th level to get angry. It takes to get until 14th level to get angry, but we have Punch Sorcerer now. Yes. It's too bad because you took Hill Giant, you still have no AC, and your hit points are now equivalent but to a rogue. But lives. you swole, though. I mean, it's fun, sure, but it's not going to be tearing up the optimization boards or anything. Is it tearing up the optimization boards? No. But guess what? Instead of having scoliosis, the sorcerer's got swoliosis. This is true. Oh, you kill me. I've used that twice today. Um, Yeah, solid 14th level ability and a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't go with advantage on constitution saving throws because then you'd be completely unkillable. Yeah. But it, wait, you can. It is a bit weird that they're sort of incentivizing the stat that sorcerers do not use. It's it, 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 we'll get into our, we'll get into that in our final thoughts. Let's uh, step into uh, last ability, blessing of the All Father. At 18th level, your Constitution score increases by two, up to a maximum of 22, hmm. which allows you to break the 20 soft cap. Hmm. 
Neat. Neat. In addition, Good, you can honestly. now use Rage of Fallen Astoria twice between rests, but no more than once on a turn. I'm glad they put that there because not to just be get screaming. Huge. Well, no, what I would do enlarge reduce, because that's one of the spells on there. Make myself bigger, make myself another size bigger with that. Next turn, cast another spell, become one more size bigger. Now my centaur is colossal. And I can make that Tower of Power from that train wreck of an episode where we didn't have uh, audio and just have all the centaurs stacked on top of me shooting bows. You've been too excited to talk about that. Anyways, in addition, you can now – where was I? Yes, more than once a turn. If you use that feature while under its effects, it increases to your size. Hit points, reach, and walking speed are cumulative. Huh. Let me reread that because that was poop. Uh if you use this feature while under its effects, it increases your size, hit points, reach, and walking speed, and the effects are cumulative. Blah. There we Interesting. Go. Did better. Tower of power time. Tower yeah. of power time. Nacho finally gets his wish of just putting centaurs on centaurs on centaurs on centaurs on centaurs. On centaurs. Um, we got about five minutes left. Final thoughts and feelings here on the giant soul sorcerer. We're going to start with Nacho so Paul can just – Yeah, because Paul's going to take build it I'm on. patient. I'll wait. <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun. You have all your versatility with it. Hill Giant, yeah, that's my favorite for it because I've I've always wanted to make the Punch Wizard, but now I can do it with a Sorcerer. Got to go Blade Lock, man. Blade Lock. Yeah. Hexblade Warlock is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, Yeah, but no, I just want to be a spellcaster and it's like, ha, I punch you in the face. Blade Lock, monk, choose your fists as your magic weapon. (laughs) (laughs) They're evil. Um, (laughs) What's that? Yeah, no, great spell list options. Um, interesting abilities. I mean, if there's, I guess, I guess the most boring one is the fire giant. If we're it, gonna, it's just a blaster. I mean, yeah. I think um, it's probably the most balanced of them. Yeah, but there's nothing grabbing about it. Yeah, frost giant has a lot, a uh, great spell list and some utility, depending on who you talk interesting to. Interesting rules questions. Yes. Um. And. Stone Giant is, you know, it's, just I mean, the best ability, the worst spell list. It's fine. Yeah. Overall, though, I think like what we get from everything pound for pound is a very interesting take on Sorcerer. I do love the idea of focusing on Constitution as like uh, like straight up for a mechanic, because even though, as you do say, Paul, because it is the second best stat in the game for everyone it's you have your main stat and then constitution yeah um it is the second best stat in the game but it it's still cool to see a class like try to reward somebody for having high constitution because i have seen a lot of uh people who are is not dying yeah i've seen a lot of people who are just like i'll just dump constitution i'd rather have high intelligent things I, i saw somebody post that the other day in forums and i was just like who Enjoy oh. your lifespan of 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I, I, I didn't say that to him. I just sat there and I was just like, you're going to die. No. <laughs> uh, besides gonna, that. Besides that, though. Um, and I could definitely see a lot of really cool stuff, that, depending on how the way you do your giants. Like for me, my giants are very much like the Norse mythology giants, but I just kind of blended them with the uh, the Azir. You know, I just kind of I took the frost giants and, you know, the. Azir and I just made him kith you know that's kind of the realm they occupy in my world and so I can see a lot of use for this for like people who like want to go to the realm of the giants and like you know I don't know do some Lion King stuff grandfather remember who you are Matthew Broderick I'm a giant (laughs) you are my grandson you are very small for a giant gnome giant oh jeez yeah it's always you and your little people Always not true. Hey, you know what? Never mind. I'm not. I'm not even going to try to I'm, justify it. Am I allowed to sink my teeth in now? Yes. Yeah. No. I'm Have not, your fun. Yeah, Paul. I'm not going to talk about my lollipop. Game, I like it actually. So. For all the shit talked, it. I like it. I think it's an interesting sorcerer bloodline. <laughs> I do, and here we go. I do think again the focus on constitution is like giving someone an award for being rich, like you're going to increase constitution. And this is giving me 
uncomfortable Vietnam flashbacks to the time that Paizo thought that making a spellcaster based on constitution was a good idea and the scarred witch doctor tore up the optimization forms for like a decade. But the spell lists are interesting. Outside of the Frost Giant's ability questions, I think the uh, the abilities are good. I'm somewhat concerned about the non-standardized uh, distances measurement thing. Like pushing so- the difference between pushing somebody 11 feet and 12 feet is not much. Uh, Indy, Indy, yeah. Cap breakers are fun. Um, they picked the best set they could have used to cap break because otherwise somebody would have done something busted. I think this one needs a bit more time in the oven to be sincerely balanced rather than um, obviously an unearthed arcana. Yeah. Would you allow it in your game though? If somebody was like, can I play one of them giant sorcerers? With a couple minor edits, yes. Okay. And with the non-standardized units, would you be fine with five times your constitution modifier? Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I cast a spell 30 feet. Oh, I I get to Misty Step as a bonus action every time I cast a spell. Count me in. Yikes. All right, guys. That's our show for the day. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the content. Again, if you enjoyed yourselves, uh, come find us on Facebook, uh, 3DMs Podcast. Find us on Twitter. Follow us there. Uh, We're going to post the stuff for the Discord. Uh, Please go check out our guest Tim stuff because it's all fantastic it's incredible that that dude is just able to do all that stuff basically i, I wish to have half of the uh, dedication that man has i can't finish any of my projects i'm just gonna no, make I, you listen to Fort, i'm just gonna make you listen to fort minor on repeat like <laughs> fort minor and uh, uh lose yourself by eminem yeah you're just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna make a two song playlist and oh you're just gonna listen to it 25 8 oh boy <laughs> anyways uh we'll see you next week i believe we have rpg generations a uh weekly dnd comic strip uh the founder of RBG Generations is going to be on the show with us next week, and we'll probably find something else to talk about. Hopefully, in that uh, the span of oh, we'll find something. Don't worry about that. Eventually, but until next week, roll well. We love you. I'm Jake. I'm Nacho. I'm Paul. And we will see you next time. This has been the 3DMs podcast on the Podcast Detroit Radio Network. Bye bye.